if you can mentally get past that, now there's a lot more battles to fight. But if you can't get past that battle, that battle in your mind, then you're already in a position where you won't even come close to, 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 to realizing the dream or the vision that you have. So I would say the biggest challenge, there's many, but the biggest challenge I would say is that initial leap of faith, that initial jump, that initial plunge, just trusting yourself, trusting your preparation that, that you're ready for this. And listen, nothing is guaranteed, Anthony. Nothing is guaranteed, right? Right. So... Welcome, everybody, back to another exciting show of the About That Water podcast, where we help you build strong financial behaviors. And my next guest is Patrick DeSouza, who has started this wonderful company. It's a fintech company. And a lot of you who are out there who are new to the technology space understand that fintech is such a hot term right now. And definitely, Patrick and his team are on the next level for what's to come inside the tech space along with the financial space because all of us love money so patrick how you doing today sir i'm doing quite well how about yourself man doing pretty good so if you can just give us a little bit of background um about your company Sure. Um, so first, I guess I'd be remiss if, if I didn't mention um, it's not just me. There's, there's a lot of people behind behind what we do at Green, including my my two co-founders, Christian Joseph and, and Carl Memnon, and we have a wonderful leadership team as well that uh, that all uh, we work together to make this thing happen. Um, but in terms of what Green is and what we do, you can kind of think of Green as an alternative to credit cards, an alternative to what we consider to, to be traditional credit. Um, we want to make credit more accessible for everyone. And there's a number of ways we do that. The primary way we do that is by ensuring that the credit that we provide to our customers is based on cash flow and not on credit scores, right? If you think about the traditional credit score system, we have FICO, which uh, the company was created you know, many, many decades ago, but it was really popularized, popularized back in uh, the 1980s. And that's sort of been a de-, de-, de facto system for for a number of decades now, um, and of course it was a step, it was a big step, a big improvement, but it has its issues, right? The biggest issue meaning that people who may have had some sort of financial missteps in the past, maybe didn't do so well with their credit initially, um, that kind of follows you for the rest of your life, or at least for a long period of time, yeah. and that can be somewhat detrimental to to people's financial livelihoods and we recognize that. The second thing is the chicken and egg problem. Similar to when someone goes to get a job, maybe their first job, right? We've all been there where it's, well, no, you don't really have enough experience yet, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you get the experience if you don't get that first job? Similar in the credit space, we have the chicken and egg problem for people who come out of college or people who come to this country for the first time, they're trying to get access to credit. And what they're told is because you don't have a credit score, because you don't have a credit history, we can't give you credit. Right, so what do those people do? And so recognizing that there are a lot of people out there who fall into to one of those boats, we want to create a system where it's based on your cash flow, the merits of your financial um, uh, wherewithal, and give people credit that way, and then give them a line of credit that's sustainable, one that doesn't allow them to fall into unsustainable debt, which we saw happen back in the crisis of 2008, where people, you know, credit started to lock up, people had crazy enormous debt, couldn't pay it back. And so we're trying to really change the thinking around that. That's pretty cool. So because a lot of my listeners actually do have credit, and I think statistically, everybody at least have about four credit cards. So people are comfortable with credit cards at this point. And I remember at a time where credit cards were pretty much seen as a big no-no. And it's almost like I try to explain it to a lot of people that credit cards is like your oven in your house. It can hurt you if you don't know how to use it, but it also can make you a wonderful meal. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I mean, for for better or worse, that's the society we live in, right? We're we're a very credit-based society. And so rather than saying, okay, well, I completely disagree with that, 
maybe the way to, to do it is to figure out, well, how can I maximize the system and do it in a way that's responsible? Yeah. But what got you into credit? You yourself? Whoa, well, whoa, whoa. There's <laughs> a number of ways I got into credit. First of all, the, number, the first way I got into credit was as a consumer, right? So come out of college, and this is pre the days of well, out of college, we got it in the college, like getting in the college. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> so, okay, so I, I mean, I, I the, target, the target demographic, yeah, the listeners probably fall into the millennial age bucket, right? Mm-hmm. And there was a time when in college campuses, you know, a lot of credit card companies would come onto campus and they offer you free pizza and t shirts and all that. Yep. And so, although I didn't necessarily get caught up in it immediately in college as soon as i got out of college i said all right i got my first job i'm getting a credit card right nice got a credit card and i don't know who told them to give me a ten thousand dollar credit card. <laughs> <laughs> so as a 21 year old 21 22 22 year old i uh, had the ten thousand dollar credit limit and needed to say i didn't do too well with it right and and, and mind you i'm i was just very i would say fiscally responsible person but that temptation is is, is strong Right. And so I made some missteps and racked up a bunch of a uh, bunch of debt and took a number of years to pay that back. Right. So that was sort of my, my first foray into the world of credit as a consumer. And then from now, from from the business side, it was really more so looking at the problems of generational wealth and and some of the systemic issues we have in society and realizing that credit actually plays a large part of that. I'm in particular, my co-founder was here in the Bay Area and noticing a lot of protests around gentrification and things of that nature. And what you realize is that part of the problem was that people don't have the wherewithal to actually purchase their homes that they live in, um, or even you know to rent apartments in certain places because they check your credit score as part of the rental process. So for now what we realized was that we want to create a business solution that enables people to actually build their credit in a very healthy way. And so that's sort of how I got into it from the business side of things. Got it. So can you just tell people a little bit more how it works? Sure. So it's quite simple, actually. You, you, you get access to a lot of credit in a matter of minutes. First thing you do when you sign up, you connect your bank account. And once you connect your bank account, it gives us permissions to pull transactions from your account. And we run a proprietary algorithm that was developed um, by our company in-house. And what we do is we generate a bunch of metrics based on your transaction history, and it tells us um, how much credit we think you can afford. Once you get an offer, once you accept the offer, you move through the process of now registering. So we got to collect all the standard information, your name, your address, your date of birth, your SSN, all those kind of things. Um, an important step in the process is actually verifying your identity, right? One of the things in the fintech space now is understanding that because people aren't walking into physical branches anymore, we have to find additional ways, alternative ways of actually verifying that a person is who they say they are. So as part of our process, we try to understand, okay, the information that, that we receive from this person, is that actually the person? And that's one of the steps in our process as well. Once you go through that entire process and you get access to your line of credit, um, then you can basically uh, transfer money to your credit from your credit line by going to the app and clicking the button to say, hey, withdraw X amount of money from, from your credit line. And we'll actually transfer the money into your bank account as cash. So one of the important distinctions about us as opposed to traditional credit card, there's no physical card. The money is transferred to your account as cash. And then we take payments on the back end um, directly from your account. What we call a smarter auto pay, where we, we try to look at your financial cycle and figure out when's the best time to actually pay off your minimum payment every month. And so that's what we do. So it's almost like a... Um... How do you call it? Not like a secure credit card, but it, it's more like an advanced secure credit card, if I'm understanding yeah. correctly. Yeah, you actually raised a good point. So I should make I should I should actually point this out. We have a range of 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 credit, um, what we call tiers of buckets, right? So okay. at, at the very top, you can you can be 100 percent unsecured, meaning you don't have to put down any money and you get access to your line of credit. Right now, we go up to $1,000, right? So it's not big time money, and there's a reason for that. Um, at the other end of the spectrum, let's say, for example, a person who maybe their, their bank account is relatively new, there's not a lot of direct deposits, um, we're not seeing a lot of great activity, cash flow wise in the account, we don't reject anyone. So what we'll say is, okay, 
we're going to give you a small line of credit, $150. If you can put up $150 as, as a deposit, so in this case, you're fully secured, then we'll give you a line of credit and you can start to build from there. And over time, we can increase your line without additional deposits, but at least it gets you in the door, right? And that's that access piece, right? It's a, it's a place to start. And then in between sort of that level and our highest level, there are there are levels in between where you're partially secured. So maybe you have to put down 50% deposit or 25% deposit right. of, your, of your credit limit. That's actually a good model, um, especially for uh, the people that are starting out. Um, what is the target audience for this particular, uh, as you can say, for that itself? Yeah, so our, our target audience actually falls not too far off from, from I believe, the, the target audience of, of your podcast. You know, it's folks somewhere in between the ages of maybe 25 to 35, 40, um, typically young professionals with, with, with uh, decent cash flow, uh, good streams of income. And they're generally people who either are just looking for an alternative because they're sort of fed up with, you know, the way credit cards can be somewhat predatory or, or they're folks who maybe in the past, you know, they had to take care of a loved one and, and they racked up a bunch of medical bills or whatever the case may be, or just life happened before, right? And so now traditional credit card companies aren't really, aren't really um, giving them their, 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 their due. And so they're looking for an alternative. And so these are people who are, they're, they're okay financially, but because like I was saying before, that credit history travels with you for right. a long time in, into your future. And so those people are looking for alternative means of accessing credit. Or, and then, of course, the, the last group are the people who are just coming out of college and dealing with the chicken and egg problem. That's where you should get them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I'm, I'm thinking of when somebody goes out and get a credit card or just trying to get establish themselves. Um, and then say if they started off at making at the lowest tier, but then they got a job making say they start off at 40,000, then they got a job going and start making now 60,000. So $20,000 increase. Um, now they go to look at their credit card that they have with you or the digital credit limit, yes. the credit line uh, with you. Does that automatically see the difference or how would that person request a credit limit increase? Absolutely. So or decrease. Right yeah, right, right now, um, the customer would have to actually request the increase. And so every customer is eligible for an increase every three to six months, right? Um, we do, in the future, want to build out some automation to this, to where they don't even have to reach out. We will automatically detect it and then present the increased limit to them, say, hey, you qualify for a higher limit. Would you like to to accept this offer, right? And then it just be sort of like, you know, just a push message or, or text message, they accept it, they move on. Um, that automation isn't there yet, but it's something that we absolutely wanna do. So for right now, yes, you can't get the increase, but you have to reach out to us and then um, we'll assess and then increase it that way. Okay, what will determine um, that you deny it? Yes, so number one thing is we're looking at on-time payments. So in, between, in those three to six months or more, depending on when the request comes in, we're looking at, okay, you had a bill every month, which had a minimum amount due. Um, we're looking to see was that minimum amount paid every month and was it paid on time, right? Those are probably, that's probably the most important factor. Secondarily, what we're looking at is to see if there's no significant change in your cash flow, negatively, that is. Right. So, right. So spending um, habits. Yep. Right, right. Of course, life happens. Right. So sometimes yeah. things happen. Um, unexpected expenses come up, which may change some dynamics or sometimes people lose jobs, especially during a pandemic and mm -hmm. the world we live in now. So things do happen. So what we try to make sure is for our protection and for the consumer's protection that we, we're not putting them in a position where they won't be able to pay back. Right. So we, look, we do look at the cash flow at that point in time. But also, like I said before, we're looking at the payment history and seeing whether or not the customer has been making one-time payments throughout the duration of their, their um, credit with us. So they decide 
um, because this is new space for me. Um, and I know with a typical credit card, if you don't pay in time, they're charging you 19% interest. Uh, actually, it's like a daily com- compounding. But for this instance, <laughs> you're going to charge you that one big chunk of uh, amount if you don't pay that first month. And then it just continue on the snowball until you actually call up. They will not cancel it and so forth. So what is that policy uh, with your company? Yes, yeah, similar, similar in a sense. Um, our APRs, and maybe I should have mentioned this at the top. So because of the way we underwrite, we actually have a flat APR system. So uh-huh. in a traditional credit card, you may have one person who may get a rate that's like 14%. And then you have another person whose rate might be 25%, right? We are a flat 15% across the board. Oh, right? nice. Yeah. And that's, that's part of our way of creating that accessibility and democratizing access to credit. So we were flat, we were flat interest rate. Now, if someone doesn't pay back, uh, we do charge a late fee, but that late fee doesn't, doesn't necessarily increase the APR and it doesn't necessarily represent a large fraction of the amount outstanding. It's a, it's a nominal fee, but it is something because it, there is a penalty associated with it. We could charge a lot more, but we don't. Um, because again, we realize that sometimes life happens and you know, people might miss a payment. That doesn't mean that you should all of a sudden now start having this avalanche, just snowball, just rolling down the mountain, right? So we do, we do, we do charge something, but it's a very nominal fee, just to, um, just to, just to show that it was missed. So will you guys be providing like educational tools um, and stuff like that, just to kind of keep people aware of the financials of, you know, these are understanding like, hey, this is a stepping stone to kind of take you to the next level. Um, and then how to treat it right. Absolutely. So there's there's a couple of things I would say to that. There's, there's two approaches we could have taken with this. One is to do the general tutorial approach, which is, hey, this is how credit works. X, Y, Z, da, 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 da. And just kind of throw all this information at the customer to begin with. We chose not to take that approach. The approach that we do take is we feed little bits of credit information at specific points in time when a user's taking certain actions, right? I'll give you a classic example. Let's say a customer has a credit limit of $1,000, right? Let's say the customer borrows, I don't know, $800 or $900 all at once, right? Yeah. At that point in time, we sent a customer an email and said, hey, we realized that you're using X percentage, 80%, 90% of, of your credit limit. And by the way, credit bureaus look at your credit utilization and anything over 30% tends to decrease your score, yep. right? Now, I don't know about you, but I haven't seen any other credit card that's going to tell you that you're using a certain amount of credit that's going to um, hurt your score. Why? Because they want you to borrow as much money as possible so you can pay as much interest as possible. Mm-hmm. And yes, we're a business. We want to make money. We need to make money. At the same time, we want to put our customers' best interests first. So they're using a certain amount of credit that we believe ultimately can potentially hurt their score. Then we let them know about that in an email. And so that, that information we, we put at the point when the person has pulled that money. Now, they can still say, hey, listen, I need this money. I'll try to pay it back by the end of the month or whatever the case may be. But now that's the decision. They're informed at that point in time. They can make that decision. Whereas if we say nothing, then they can end up being hurt and have no idea why. Um, the only reason why I asked that question is because a lot of people are, how can I say, when they into a particular habit and even no matter how little or how much you give them, they always going to fall behind. Um, obviously it's about curve to this whole lovely, uh, scenario, but there's always those outliers is, will they ever be banned for using your platform once they become delinquent for a long period of time? Yes, and that is by by law actually. So oh, nice. after after certain well, <laughs> let me it sounds bad, but, but let me let me specify exactly what I mean. After a certain point in time, um, we are required to charge off an account. Mm-hmm. So if it's gone, I think by law we have to do it at 180, um, but we can do it up to say 90 days past due. Um, we we do it somewhere in the middle, so we do it around 120. 120 days past due. 
and we're required to report that as a charge off. Um, You're listening to the About That Wallet podcast. We'll be right back after these messages. Are you tired of being broke? Is the month lasting longer than your actual paychecks? Well, get the Simple Budget Calendar. You can get the Simple Budget Calendar at aboutthatwallet.com shop and download your Simple Budget Calendar today. The, the reasoning behind that is that after a certain point in time, when a user has fallen behind, it's very unlikely that they're going to, to catch up at that point. Right. And so um, the law requires, rather than holding these, these uh, delinquent loans on the books, they require it to be charged off. Um, and at that point in time, the user isn't necessarily banned, right? Um, they're not necessarily banned from that standpoint. For us, if the user does happen to come back and pay off, they can get access to the to their account again. However, they're not able to withdraw any funds during a period of time where they have an amount that's passed due. That makes sense. So in other words, pay your bills before you start using it again. Yeah, exactly. nice, simple. I like it. Well, at least you give them a second chance because, like you say, you're hitting them right before they pretty much blow their uh, their credit limits out the water. Because, like you say, you start off with ten thousand. So imagine if you only started off with a thousand just to kind of get your feet wet, see, yes. all right, yeah, this is what I like, and then move on. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So um, because I I did a couple episodes about credit. And talk about using credit lines and other people who in your family, if you actually trust them, uh, to actually ask them for to be an authorized user. Mm-hmm. Um, because I noticed that your company is looking into the actual transactions, that's actually a little bit more deeper than what credit card companies go with versus just a word of mouth and saying, hey, well, this other credit card company gave them 20000 Well, I can give them 20000 too. Versus you guys are saying uh, you can't afford twenty thousand. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, what are the hurdles of actually getting into like starting a business? Because one of those things about the concept, just thinking about it, then to write it on a napkin or a sheet of paper, then to share it with somebody, share the vision, to make this happen. Like, what were the hurdles of of making all this come to light? It well, does, the biggest. Let me go with the biggest one because I know it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the biggest, the biggest hurdle is actually yourself. The biggest hurdle is actually taking that leap, taking that plunge. Right. Um, in my case, it was leaving a job that I had been at for thirteen years, who that company was was providing a decent life for me. Um, I was able to purchase property, things of that nature. So by all accounts, I was successful, right? If you, if you ask any friends or family, they would say, oh, Patrick, you know, he's a successful guy, right? So to leave that behind and to then become broke, to leave New York City where I was living as a young professional and to move to a small town in Florida to live with my mom for nearly two years while we built the company, to a point where we can actually acquire even one customer, right? That plunge is probably the most difficult part of it. If you can mentally get past that, now there's a lot more battles to fight, but if you can't get past that battle, that battle in your mind, then you're already in a position where you won't even come close to, to, to realizing the dream or the vision that you have. So I would say the biggest challenge, there's many, but the biggest challenge I would say is that initial leap of faith, that initial jump, that initial plunge, just trusting yourself, trusting your preparation that, that you're ready for this. And listen, nothing is guaranteed, Anthony. Nothing is guaranteed, right? Right. So you can take that plunge and it, it might not work out, but that's actually okay. And you have to tell yourself, I'm okay with that. Um, what, what did it for me is I really thought about it 
for the long term. And I said to myself, well, I can stay here and I can be somewhat comfortable, right? Um, but at the end of the day, when I look back on my life, am I going to wonder what if? And I'm the type of person, I don't want any what ifs in my life, right? At that, when that time comes, that time comes, I want to be at peace with it. And so I didn't want any what ifs. And so the only way to not have a what if in terms of the potential that I can maximize in my own life was to take that leap. See, I, I like how you actually, first off, you said you were broke and not poor because those words mean two different things. Absolutely. And poor is the state of mind, broke is actually financials. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I, I love the choice of words that you did there. So I, I want to salute you on that one. Thank you. And that was intentional. That was intentional. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also is to understand you know, and this one of the things I talked about before, too, is when you're talking about planting the seed and waiting for it to grow before you harvest and understanding that you had to be in the dark for two years almost. And then you came out because imagine if you had quit with that. What after what, three months? It was like, yeah, this ain't going to work. But you kept pushing for, you know, 17. Oh, my math is off. Yeah. Oh. 20, 21 more months on top of that, just to kind of fully see your full growth, you know, and, but it, it goes back to your vision, your passion, and really staying low as long as it takes to come out uh, through everything. So, I mean, that's one of the things, like you said earlier, it's just that mindset is really awesome that you stuck with it and look at you now. Was yeah. it like four years since then? Four years, yeah. Four years in now. And um, I, I, I have to say, I mean, I, I have a great support system. I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate that I did have a mother who I could move in with, right? Not everybody has that, right? right. And I recognize that, right? I did, yeah. I did have family that I can, I can live with and, and you know, not pay rent with, with my family and get some home-cooked meals. So I was fortunate, and I'm blessed in that sense. Um, that was a win-win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You got to spend some extra time with, with my mother, so... Um, I, and I don't take that for granted, right? And I know not everybody has that situation, but if you have the will to get something done, you can find a way for it to get done. Because if I, if I didn't have that situation, right, my co-founder didn't have that situation, right? And so he was basically living in a situation where he didn't have parental support, right? And so if you, if you have the determination in you, you will figure out a way to make it happen. Why do you feel that most people give up besides some mindset? Uh, to kind of be like, what makes people more successful um, than yeah. those who never try it? Yeah, I, I would, I would give two answers to that. Um, the first is, and, I, and it's not a, it's not a quote I can take, I can take credit for, but I, I've heard of something to this, and I'm paraphrasing, is that success happens when preparation meets opportunity, and so. A lot of times when the opportunity comes, we're not prepared. Or we're prepared and the opportunity never comes, right? <clears throat> the one thing that we can that we can control is the preparation. So making sure that we're prepared so that when the opportunity comes, we can find our success. Right. I think that's 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 the first piece of it. Because there's a lot of great people out there who are well prepared and who work super hard, but for whatever reason to no fault of their own, the opportunity never comes, right? And we have to acknowledge that as well, right? Um, so that's, that's the first piece of it. The second piece of it is this concept I learned in college, which is the, the difference between desire and the will to do. Mm. Classic example, it's New Year's, everybody has resolutions. For a lot of people, that resolution is, hey, I'm gonna go to the gym, three times a week or once a week, or whatever cases, I want to lose 10 pounds. <clears throat> Everybody has that desire, but who really has the will to do? Mm. The will to do says it's 20 degrees outside. There's snow on the ground. It's cold, but I'm going to go to the gym anyway. Yeah. Day after day or week after week, right? It's yep. easy to desire something, but do you have the will to actually get it done? Right. People look at NBA players like Stephen Curry or, or, or Kevin Durant, these guys, these guys used to be up at five o'clock in the morning in the gym shooting hundreds and thousands of shots yeah. a day, right? 
So I used to mentor a lot of kids, a lot of young men back in the day that weren't that had dreams, right? And I and I, and I would always ask them, well, what are you doing to make that happen? And while they would always desire to play in the league, very few, very few of them had that will to do what it took to actually get there. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and, and in my own life, the will to do is, am I willing to be at my computer for 16 or 18 hours in a day and write code to build this platform for months on end? Right. Now, when I look back on it, I'm like, that, that was crazy. Like, what, what was I thinking, right? Um, but, but that's what it took, right? And so in those moments where friends want to go out, hey, Pat, let's go out. Da-da-da. No, I got I to gotta work, right? Yeah. In those moments where, you know, you want to get that extra sleep, you're like, you know what? I got to get up and get this done, right? That's the will to do. I think the difference between people who, who ultimately are successful, there's this probably several differences, but I think this is one of the big ones, is do you have the persistence and determination? Do you have the will, not just the desire to get something done, but do you have the will to get it done, which plays out over time. A desire is a, is, a, is a moment. I can say I desire whatever right now, but the will takes time. It, it plays out over time. I think that's the difference. Well then, that's like the end of the show. So we stop. Because <laughs> that, that, that is something that a lot of people don't understand, when, especially when it comes to the content creation um, and the finances. And throughout your whole uh, discussion, you did not mention anything about the financial side of the house. It was more so about the mindset of and the determination to get things done. So um, you've already been through so much you know, to get you to this far. So what would it look like going to that next level? What will it take for you uh, to get to that next level? Something I think about every day, actually. Um, you know, as, as, as a grown company, you know, going to the point from the point where it was three of us to where it was six of us for a while, now there's about 30 something of us and getting to the next level requires me to do things that <clears throat> things like stepping back a bit, right? Um, whereas I'm sort of knee deep in the trenches every day, writing code and doing all, all these things on a grand level. To get to the next level, I have to step back mm-hmm. and spend more time thinking about bigger strategy, managing people, understanding how we can maximize the productivity of our team so we can move fast, but move forward with quality work. Those are the things that for me are going to be required for us to get to the next level. Um, and, and that's, it's easier, much easier said than done because you have this thing that you've built and now you're trying to, to get people up to speed with it, to understand everything and, and, to, and to think about the business problem the way you think about it. That takes time. That takes time. And so um, it's something I'm still working on. But I think ultimately to get to the next level, we're going to have to let go of some things and delegate more and take a step back to focus on the bigger strategy and making sure that we're setting up our company to, to get to the next level by thinking big picture of what's coming next instead of me being sort of knee, knee deep into 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 the um into the trenches and figuring out what's happening on an everyday basis i gotta start thinking three three months out six months out right. i mean from just talking to you it seems like you're you're there you just need that something to tip you over and then you'll you'll take it off man i, I yeah. can see it yeah i'm getting closer i'm getting closer my yeah. team will tell you i used to be a lot worse um but now with uh, some of the awesome hires that we have I've been able to to bring on people and allow them to take over some things, and so yeah, it's, it's we're getting there. We're getting there slowly. Awesome. So, will there be any um, more financial discussions, as far as uh, say for guests, special guests, and um, not special guests, but like special customers, and say, hey, you know, you've been a customer for so long. We we have now these uh, weekly 
I don't know, group sessions and stuff like that, just to kind of talk about finances. And maybe they had some questions and so forth. Um, like a, more like a Q&A for, from a customer's perspective. Is that something like that that's coming in that uh, we could possibly see? We've actually had some discussion about that, like a sort of a, a ask me anything type of session. Um, I don't think we actually materialized it, but it's something that we have thought about before. Um, and something that we probably will end up doing at some point, maybe this year. That's probably why a lot of uh, businesses don't do it because it requires so much time. <laughs> it does, it does. And then also, here's, here's the other thing, Anthony. Um, you gotta realize that when you're talking to customers, you gotta take the good with the bad. Yes. Right? So you're gonna hear some good things, you're gonna hear some things you don't wanna hear, right? Yeah. And so, and then once a customer voices that, you gotta make sure that the, the voice is not just, not just heard, but you listen to what they're saying. And so you gotta be prepared that once they voice that concern, now you have to action it. Hmm. Right? Otherwise they can feel like, hey, I just spoke and then nothing happened. Right. So we need to make sure we're in a position to action um, on the feedback that we get. Not to say that we don't collect feedback from customers, et cetera, but in a, in a forum like that, you know, anything can come up and, and stuff like that. So we got to make sure that we're in a position to really make sure we're listening to the customer and, and take that feedback and, and be able to action it in a, in a timely manner as well. Cool. So um, now that you have your, your vision in place kind of for your self-improvement, uh, a little bit of growth with the company, I'm sure you got to get back with the team for like the big picture and so forth. What is it um, for the everyday person that's listening to this right now? What is the what is the main thing that they should take away and say, you know what? Um, I need to invest with this company to kind of get myself going. I'll say the main takeaway <clears throat> From, from a great perspective is that what we are building, we're, we're trying to change the landscape and we're inviting anyone who's, who's willing and able to join us on that journey, right? We, we want to see a world where, at least starting with this country, where financial opportunities, financial access are more equitable. And that runs all sort of dimensions of equity, right? That's that's race, that's that's national origin, that's sexual orientation, that's 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 people with disabilities. We want to ensure that we're bringing all those folks along with us. And so we look at this as not just yes, we're starting in consumer credit, right? Because we believe that's that's an important vertical to start with. But just in general, our big vision is we're, we're trying to create. A country and eventually a world that that has more financial equity and so i would say the takeaway is we're welcoming anyone who wants to join us on that journey whether that's becoming a customer or whether that's just following us on social um whatever it is right because maybe not not everybody necessarily needs this product right mm -hmm. but you can still jive with the mission and the message and still want to sort of be a part of that that movement so we're inviting folks to either you know follow us on various social media platforms, become a customer, or I don't know, just send a word of encouragement because sometimes we need it. <laughs> well, yeah, my support definitely, and I'll definitely share this out with all of my my followers on Instagram um, and also YouTube, obviously, because you know. we'll figure this out. <laughs> I appreciate it. Any little bit helps. Yeah, anything, anything. Um, so I know we went through quite a bit. Is there anything else uh, that you want to make sure that uh, the customers uh, can understand before we actually dive into the final four questions? Um, I think in terms of like peeling back the curtain, one thing, one thing I would say is that um, I think initially sometimes customers assume that we're like some big, some big company. And that we have access to all the resources in the world. We don't. <laughs> We're a relatively small company. And so we do our best to, to, to improve our product and our services and, and things of that nature. But sometimes it does require some patience on behalf of our customers. And I think part of that patience is actually recognizing that, hey, these are these are everyday people behind the curtain, right? We're, we're, we're not like 
you know, the, the, the leadership teams of like Capital One and JP Morgan Chase and City and you know, stuff like that. We're, we're everyday people and we're trying to make this thing happen. And so sometimes I think um, if people kind of know that, that, you know, it's, it's regular people behind here and we're actually regular people who have their best interests at heart. We're not perfect, but we're trying to do the best we can. I think sometimes that can help put things in perspective. Perfect. Now I did, before I get to the final four, I always thought of this question because uh, somebody did ask me, I was just doing like a feel of like, Hey, I'm interviewing a FinTech company. What do you guys think? And they was like, well, can you talk about crypto and where's crypto going? And what is, I was like, great. So I'm going to ask the question because crypto, <laughs> crypto is such a big deal. Uh, so I understand that you're looking at the wallets, uh, your, your bank transactions, but say if somebody has a crypto wallet mm-hmm. and will it kind of work the same way? That's, that's a very interesting question. Um, from a crypto standpoint, we've, we kind of made the decision a few years ago not to go down that path. Not to say that there's not opportunity there. Right. Um, but for us, <clears throat> there's still a lot of volatility mm-hmm. in the crypto space. And there's still some unknowns that for us in building this business, we want to make sure we can control as many variables as possible. Because obviously you start a business like this, there's many things you can't control. And so what we want to do is limit the variables that were out of our control. And crypto seem to be sort of a variable that's not really fully fleshed out yet. Um, and so we, we didn't decide to go on that path. But that's not to say that down the road, should the opportunity present itself and should some things become a little bit more clear in the crypto space that we can find opportunities to integrate um, crypto into, into our platform. Perfect. Um, oh, you know, I totally forgot about this question. Um, so a lot of people have children as they listen to this. Now, say if they wanted to get a uh, an account for their child mm-hmm. or like they set up a bank account, they already have a custodial account for their children and they want to have a, you know, set up one of the accounts with you just to kind of set up. And I believe the youngest that they can do this is at age 16, right? Or is it? Um, for us, they'd have to be 18. 18? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that'll work then? They can do that at 18? Just come right in? Yeah. So we, we've had we've had some parents do that. Um, we haven't really built a product around it specifically. Um, so think of like, you know, maybe like a grain family, right? Yeah. A grain, like family plan, right? Mm-hmm. We haven't built out anything specific like that. But we, anecdotally, uh, we have come across instances where, where some parents have done that. Um, for, for their children. Perfect. All right. Well, you already thought of everything. I talked about crypto, talked about kids. So we go for the final four? Let's do it. All right. Let's go. All right. So the final four questions are, I can't say they are the same ones because I've been changing them out throughout my iterations of this show. Mm-hmm. But here we go. Number one, what does wealth mean to you? Um, so number one thing I think for me in terms of how I define wealth is freedom of time. Hmm. If you think about it, the majority of our lives are spent actually working, right? It's either sleeping or working when you think about it. And then all the other good parts of life are somewhere in between sleep and work. Although some people would argue that sleep is, is a better, one of the better parts of their lives. Um, when you get but, older. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But because of the fact that we're so tied to our work and our jobs, we don't have the time to do things we want to do, right? Whether that's going to visit family or whether that's, you know, attending um, events for, for our kids or whatever the case may be. There's always that tension with time and getting things done that we want to get, that we want to have done. And so the number one thing for me, I think, is the freedom of your time to be able to do uh, what you want to do when you want to do it. Um, the second thing for me is ability to make decisions without necessarily thinking too hard about the financial implications of it. I'll give you a very simple example. My mom, as I mentioned, she lives in Florida. My brother lives in Toronto, Canada with um, his wife and two daughters. 
soon to be, uh, they have a third child on the way. My mom loves her grandkids, right? But when she decides to go visit Canada, she has to think about, okay, what, what flight can I get? What flight can I afford? For me, wealth is, mom, when do you want to go? What is the most ideal time of day do you want to go? And I'm going to get you first class. I don't want you to have to think about it, mom. To me, that's wealth, right? Um, well, I remember being as, as a little kid, thinking about, oh, I want to get a Happy Meal or I want to get this, that, and the other. And as a little kid, I used to think, oh, well, that's going to cost $2.99, but this one will cost $2.69. Mm. I don't want to think about that. I just want to buy it, right? <laughs> well, right? And then, and then the last piece, and I think this is probably the most essential piece of it, wealth means that you have excess that you can use to help other people, right? I have a lot of family members that have a lot of student loans, I have people who are struggling in my family to pay rent and to pay mortgages. For me, one of my primary motivations for being wealthy is so that they don't have to worry about any of that. Hmm. Right? And I think to me, that's the most important component because it extends beyond yourself. It extends beyond you being here, right? If I become wealthy tomorrow, I get hit by a bus or the day after, but what does that service, how does that service me? Right. I was just spend all this time doing all this work for, for not, right? So for me, it's really ultimately about how I can create enough excess to help other people. I take it you're not doing the Rick Ross approach, which is <laughs> give them all jobs. So it's like, <laughs> hey, you want to eat, you got to sweep the floors, you got to vacuum something. You know. Listen, um, <laughs> you got to earn it in some respects, but also yeah. I feel like you know people have gone through enough in life that you know I just want to be able to help them out with it. That's awesome. Nice. Number two, what was your worst money mistake? Um, so we kind of alluded on this a little bit earlier, uh, the, the the whole credit card thing and that $10,000 credit limit. That, that was a pretty bad one. Uh, <laughs> I would say uh, the next one after that would be not maxing out my 401k. Gotcha. During the time I was working for, for big corporate, uh, that was free money in the sense that they were matching dollar for dollar and also putting a little cherry on top too. Oh, you say it? Like 100% dollar for dollar? Yep. Man. Um, I'm scratching around with 5%. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so, and I, it's funny because I had somebody, a mentor of mine years ago, I told me, oh, max out your phone, okay, max out, max it out. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at the money come out of my check and I was like, <laughs> So I I always did a percentage, but I never really maxed it out. And and looking back at it now, I realized that was probably a mistake. I should have, you know, I would have had to live a little bit lower below my my means, Mm -hmm. but ultimately I would have had a little bit more stacked up. And so yeah, obviously that was that was one of the good ones. Definitely. Well, for those of you who are listening, make sure you check out season two, episode one, where we talked about taxes from W2s, W4, and also business owners and real estate owners as well. All right. So question number three, what is your favorite financial or non-financial book? I love this question. I love talking about this. Um, okay. Very recently, the movie, The Matrix Part 4 came out, which Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, I'm just leaving it right there. Anyway, so the reason I read The Matrix, I read the book Cash Flow Quadrant, which is in mm-hmm. the Step for that series. And to me, reading those books were the equivalent of the choice between the red pill and the blue pill in The Matrix. I like that. It was like Robert Kiyosaki was like Morpheus, and he handed me a red pill. And I took that pill, my eyes were opened. Mm-hmm. And so that really sort of reshaped my mind in the way I think about wealth and finances and, and employment and businesses and investing and all the things that I thought were kind of far off that now nah, I can't I can't accomplish any of that or that's not for me or I'll just be good, I'll just get a job and I'll be fine. That kind of rewired my mind to think, you know what? I want to make money in these ways that maybe aren't as common, but this is the way I want to do it. And so, and, and I, was, I always thought that the biggest concept I learned from there was 
Um, the disassociation between the concept of, of hours and dollars. What do I mean by that? Traditionally, when you have a job, you go to work and you work a certain number of hours. And because you work those hours, you make money. Um, that's not how, that's how employees make money, but the way investors make money or, or the way business people make money is by either creating businesses, business systems, or putting the money to work for you in the case of an investor, right? Um, and so you're not actually doing work. The system is doing the work and the system is making the money for you, right? Yep. That way you can ultimately be in your bed sleeping or you can be on the beach um, having a drink and you're still making money, right? And so that concept was like, oh, mind blown. Isn't that a mind blown emoji? Yep. That, 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 <laughs> that's kind of how it was for me. And so at that point in time, I realized that entrepreneurship was something I wanted to eventually do. And it wasn't a matter of if, it was a matter of when. Mm-hmm. And when the opportunity came after the, the tens of thousands of hours of preparation, I was like, this is my opportunity. I'm going to take it in my Nice. So the cash flow quadrant. I think you're the first person on the show to actually talk that detailed about <laughs> the book. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Nice. All right. The final question, final fourth question is, what is your favorite dish to make? Favorite dish to make? This is going to sound super basic. I don't care because I love it. <laughs> Barbecue chicken. Okay. Dark meat. Legs and thighs. White rice and corn, sweet corn. Oh, that's it? Love it. Love it. Super easy to make and um, it tastes delicious. That's my favorite dish to make. Uh, not necessarily my favorite dish to eat, because my mom <laughs> dish to eat. But it's a favorite right. dish to make that I can actually make. And that you can make. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Barbecue chicken, rice, and corn. Super simple. Nice. Does mom approve? She approves. She approves. Okay. All right. Good. <laughs> awesome. All right. So this is a very last question, which is where can people find out more about you? Find out more about me. So I'm I'm not super great at social media, so I don't really have a lot of information out there. Um, well, we can so do grain. One more about grain. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So we are we are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. Um, grain underscore tech, I believe, uh, at grain underscore tech, G R A I N underscore T E C H on Instagram. I think it might be the same on um, Twitter as well. Again, I'm not a great social media guy. Um, <laughs> all right, I got your back. Well, everybody, if again, this is the About That Wallet podcast. If you receive any helpful information in your life or even in your business, please take time to actually give us a thumbs up. Give us a like. Please share. And as always, be safe. Take care. I'm out. Well, that concludes this episode of About That Wallet. I hope this topic was helpful. If you want to get the latest episodes, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it. Remember, it is your duty to know about that wallet. Take care. Be safe. I'm out. Peace.